Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salami. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. Before I get into this week's show with Steve Krupa, my co-host, I do want to drop a couple of bits of business on you. First of all, our sponsor this week of the Breaking Health Podcast is our great partner, Deloitte. Deloitte's life science and healthcare practice is among the largest in the world. It leverages the extensive knowledge and experience of 9,000 professionals in 99 countries. Deloitte offers a distinctive menu of integrated professional services to address the specific needs of the life sciences and healthcare industries. Thank you, Deloitte, for sponsoring the Breaking Health Podcast. I also want to let our podcast listeners know that if they haven't registered yet for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, they can now save themselves a little dough and show their allegiance to the podcast. Use the code BHEALTH, that's BHEALTH, the word letter B, followed by the word HEALTH, and you will save a good bit of dough on the registration fee. Go to healthag.com to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, which is happening on November 30th in Boston. All right, we're here with my great co-host, Steve Krupa. Hey, Steve, how are you? Hi, Tom. How are you? I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm looking forward to the Red Sox hiring a new manager. Hopefully, we'll hear it's Alex Cora on Monday, although I don't really have a front runner about you. As of the recording of this intro, <laughs> are, still, are still in the thick of things. Yeah, Steve asked me not to mention this, so he may just go dumb and, and, and mute I'm talking about his Yankees, which I totally respect. But uh, I watched them uh, on, on Wednesday, Tuesday night. At a, yeah. a a bar restaurant in on Long Island, so I had the full experience of uh, of hearing Yankee fans rejoice, and uh, it was a good day for you guys. So sure, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what happens after this intro, and, and by Sunday night we'll have a sense of uh, of whether you're going to the series or not. So yeah, I am contractually obligated to root against you, but uh, I wouldn't mind rooting against you in for the Dodgers in the World Series. That would be a pretty pretty cool uh, pairing. But we'll see where it goes, and I won't let you yeah. jinx yourself. You've been you've been a good boy, Steve. Yeah. I am not going to jinx myself. I haven't <laughs> shaved, so I've got my playoff beard going. So, <laughs> let's get into the podcast then. We have, sure. we have uh, uh, Darren Darren Brandon, the uh, Brandon, the CEO of of Clear Data, and uh, it's a company that's raised a lot of great uh, money from a lot of great investors, including uh, Fleur Capital. Our, our co-chair Bill Geary is on the panel. But uh, what uh, what can you tell us about Clear Data? What what was your takeaway from this conversation? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the reality is, is that if you want to run software, you know, the best place to run it is in a very robust, reliable, uh, hardened environment. And it doesn't get much better than the public cloud infrastructures that are out there from Amazon and Microsoft and IBM and Google. Um, the, uh, the issue of that is, is it's moving the data and the applications, you know, out from uh, your own computing infrastructure and into sort of a nebulous cloud infrastructure. And the biggest question in the healthcare uh, area about doing that is, well, how can I be assured that um, I'm not going to have PHI breach and, uh, am, and, and is it safe mm-hmm. uh, and reliable? And so uh, Clear Data is responding to that by providing a, a single source for uh, for secure environments to run healthcare applications, and it's a cool idea. It's definitely a cool idea. It's expensive 
to do this. It's very expensive to, to run these environments. And the, the processes around HIPAA um, that, are, that are largely encapsulated by an organization called High Trust um, are, are, uh, are difficult to master. So um, that's, that's the value proposition for clear data, among other things. Um, and, uh, it, it should be very interesting because that, that, that is probably the one thing that's holding up the migration of computing in, in healthcare IT, uh, to the, to the public cloud. Yeah, I was going to say, it, it sounds like the, uh, the whole ball game, not to get back to baseball, but yeah. this is, this is really a, 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 a significant hurdle that needs to be cleared. It, it is, uh, because the, the, the hurdle that needs to be cleared is the notion that you want to control it because it's, it's, it, it, you know. Being able to represent yourself as compliant is being able to represent that you have the processes in place to be compliant with those standards. And uh, if you can outsource that and, and have it be an effective uh, measure for you, and if um, clear data can scale it, right, then you get the best of both worlds. You get a lower cost. You get a, a higher level of mastery. Uh, because it's being deployed across you know multiple environments, you get sort of the same scale that you, you're getting from an infrastructure point of view by the public through the public cloud itself. And all these startups are doing this, right? Because it's just too expensive to build your own mm -hmm. computing infrastructure, so they they pay by the drink, if you will, uh, with uh, AWS and 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 their and the others. Terrific. Well, let's get into this conversation with Darren Brennan, the president, CEO, and co-founder of Clear Data. <laughs> Welcome uh, to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Darren Brannan, the founder and CEO of Clear Data. Welcome uh, to the podcast. Thank you, Steve, and delighted to be here with you today. So um, there's a big, big movement afoot uh, in the marketplace around how we deliver software. And we've really moved pretty quickly to this notion of software as a service. And one of the things that is... Uh, necessary to deliver software as a service is to run it on uh, a computing platform that's reliable and lets the software sort of shine. Um, and that becomes challenging for a variety of reasons, uh, and none of which is around it in healthcare is around compliance with security and, um, and performance uh, expectations of customers. And it sounds like you're working on uh, organizing that into a, into a solution. But before we get to that, you didn't start doing this. You've been doing other things. So just give me a sense of your background and what led you to clear data and, 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 uh, and how that's an expansion of your, uh, your career up to this point. Certainly. So I, um, I guess you could say I grew up, my career grew up in the Silicon Valley tech sector and I've been, however, in healthcare, um, both through my family, I have uh, practicing physicians in my family, and my my father's still an orthopedic surgeon. I have a brother who's interventional radiologist, and uncles who are doctors, and and I was sort of the black sheep out in Silicon Valley, focusing on on venture capital. Initially, I was an venture capitalist uh, with firms like Norwest Venture Partners, and then I I got the entrepreneur bug and uh, jumped across the table and have been <laughs> a serial entrepreneur camp now for 20 plus years. This is my third startup. And my prior startups have been similar business models focused on the infrastructure with sort of SaaS technology automation, some segmentation focus and feature. 
and uh, backed by managed services. And so this the new company, Clear Data, has a similar business model, but we are exclusively focused on healthcare. So for the past almost six years, I've been immersed in the evolution of the healthcare IT, which is fantastically exciting, not only because I'm sort of welcome back into the family fold from my uh, family of, of uh, physicians and and they've been sort of asking me for years to bring some of the, the Silicon Valley fancy technology into to Silicon Valley. And I think when 2009-10 Act, High Tech Act happened, it was a trigger for VCs, investors, and entrepreneurs to to jump in on what we felt was going to be the the largest and fastest digital transformation of any industry in U.S. history. And I think I think we've seen that. Yeah. And so it's been it's been a great ride. It's definitely starting and and progressing and you know that's a cool background i i love that i love this stuff so we'll be able to do some some tech talk here hopefully we won't get too techy but let, let me start with a premise let's see how how work work goes from here you know in in the in the old days right uh even when i was an engineer which was a really long time ago um you know you built software and you built it and you built it you ran it on your local workstation uh and then at some point you were like okay i got to get this thing into production right and there was a, a major effort then to take a working software that could have been developed under any methodology, waterfall or agile, it didn't really matter, right, uh, to work in production, like off of, off of the workstations, out of the testing bed and actually running uh, in production. And that was often a separate process from the actual software development process itself. And we've now entered into an era uh, with software as a service, which by definition means it's running in it's running in production as part of its inherent nature, right? So I'm wondering, give me a, if you can give the audience a sense for the challenges that have popped up as really the software economy has moved away from selling, you know, basically shrink rack software to selling it as a service. What what are the what are the challenges in terms of moving? a lot of the focus of the organization to operationalizing software? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. I think in, in healthcare in particular, there's some layers of challenges. Um, you have historically, you have had applications and data almost mandated to stay inside the, the healthcare data center four walls. And then when meaningful use came around and you started to open up those four walls to introduce things like consumer patient portals, mobile you now had millions of patients having access through those those data center walls and created somewhat of a data revolution, but also a healthcare data breach epidemic. So you have you know, the, uh, healthcare IT folks were blindsided by this 48% year-over-year growth of, of data. Going from, I think the latest numbers were you know, 153 exabytes in 2013 to 2300 by 2020. Um, just massive, massive data revolution around this transformation from paper to digital. And then simultaneously, as they look to move either homegrown applications into a hybrid or public cloud environment, they're realizing they lack the sort of IT and compliance sophistication to extend what they may have had, which most compliance and security environments on-premise were pretty light. Mm -hmm. So they need to transform into having the right kind of security compliance wrapper around the regulatory requirements of HIPAA. And so that was sort of one of the main challenges is how do you move from on-premise to um, 
private or hybrid or public cloud now, the the prevailing trend is towards the public cloud because of its, I guess, sort of irrefutable benefits of scale, pays you grow, redundancy, and so on. Mm. And so moving to, to that public cloud, there's another big challenge, whether you're a SaaS company or, or um, on-premise um, custom applications, it, th- those clouds are fairly sophisticated, AWS, Azure. So you need a whole new level of certification of your IT folks and or DevOps folks. And in many uh, environments in the, if you talk about the sort of providers or the payers or the pharmas, they have huge IT organizations, but they're not calibrated for this type of new delivery into production mm-hmm. in a public cloud environment. And so they're really challenged with how to convert their current personnel or if they should outsource this to a purpose-built company that has thought through all these things and provided the automation and security compliance for them. And if so, then how do they manage the current staff that they have and how do they transform those folks and how do they bolster their budgets around security and compliance. Um, so you have these these challenges of, of legacy moving to cloud with the right kind of security and compliance and the right kind of sophistication to automate the processes. And it almost sounds simple when you categorize it like that, but there are a thousand different moving parts to get right to yeah. make it happen consistently and high redundancy and secure. So it's, it's a multi-layered challenges for sure. And the reality of it is, is when the application was built, it probably wasn't built to run on that environment, right? Right. We've had to see. We've seen replatforming. We've seen rearchitecting, and, and with Clear Data, we we have solution architects that their main purpose is to understand how their software works, then to platform it correctly, architect it, build reference architectures that will work and scale for them, and then help them deploy it into the cloud, and then provide all the the wrappers in terms of there's about 30 different, at least we have 30 plus different security items from vulnerability scanning to uh, malware, intrusion uh, detection, all, all of the levels of, of security technology, people and process that's required to stay within compliance. And uh, they're realizing that uh, overall the IT complexity is, is increasing, especially when you've in healthcare you're introducing many more new applications that are solving for old problems with, with new technology. And so they're, uh, you know, in the, in the case of the provider category, they've been for the last five years consumed with installing new electronic medical records or EHR systems that that has completely strained their IT resources. And so moving to the cloud and securing and complying and trying to deal with mobile um, there's just a tremendous IT constraint and budget shortage that's been happening. Yeah, absolutely. But they're making progress. Sorry, I won't excuse this interruption. I wanted to bring two quick points to your attention, though. A reminder about the code I gave you at the intro, the, the letter B, the word health. Smush them together into B Health when you register to attend the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit on November 30th in Boston. And you will pay only twelve ninety five for a great day of content Added to the great day is a new VC panel we put together called Winner Takes All. East versus West Coast VCs strive for supremacy. We've got partners from F-Prime and Bessemer and Kleiner and NEA. They'll be up there talking about their views of digital health, where they're seeing new deals, what the whole brouhaha in Washington means to them, and other important and integral questions will be answered for any healthcare entrepreneur 
or investor. So go to healthogy.com, sign up for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit, see this terrific VC panel, and don't forget to use your B Health code. Save yourself a little bit of money and show a little love for the Breaking Health Podcast. Now back to this interview. Let's start with a you know just a, um, a, a, a pretty straightforward question. What is is the biggest issue? Well, first of all, I, I, let's talk about cost for a second. So, one of the arguments to continue to run or to build your own cloud, let's say, just buy the buy buy the uh, buy the compute, buy the storage, you know, you know, manage it yourself and manage your own environment is is cost that uh, it's cheaper than than your um, your utility bill on AWS or Azure or uh, or others will be. What do you notice today around uh, the just the blood and guts cost of running your own environment versus going into the public cloud? Is it getting closer and closer to being equal, or is it still the case that the public cloud is going to cost you a little more? Yeah, you know we've done a ton of research on this. This is our industry, and. Um, we, in fact, just did a HIMS uh, last year, a HIMS research study um, across providers, and and we we thought for sure that price and cost would be the number one most important reason for them to even consider the cloud. And it turns out that, and this is true across payers and and pharma, that they're looking for improved performance and reliability mm-hmm. first, then ease of management, which means it sort of gets to the increasing complexity of IT. They just can't keep up. Their data centers are aged and running out of power, and you know, the complexity just keeps in- increasing beyond their personnel sophistication and their budgets. Cost was third, consistently third in the lineup. Um, now, that can be different across your healthcare segments, like a software technology company, maybe focused more on on that cost element. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big three Ps, the provider, payer, pharmas, were consistently, that was in the sort of third or fourth level of concern. But nonetheless, when we do get to that topic, the way we skin it is uh, we have t- we have our own sophisticated TCO tools, and oftentimes you'll get the, the, the customer or the prospects that run their own total cost of ownership tools, but they're often lightweight. They miss things, simple things like power, space, opportunity costs, insurance, personnel, true conversion personnel. So when they, they see a more sophisticated tool and you run the analysis, and I think there is a lot of misinformation out there. I think in the early days, you, you had some of the big public clouds saying, oh, we can cut your costs in half with moving to the cloud. Well, in fact, you know those numbers just didn't pencil out. And so our view is if it's done right and you do a true TCO and, you know, you don't have to have a lot of soft cost TCO elements, even you can exclude opportunity cost. Um, it should be net neutral to a little bit of savings. <laughs> so we're not promoting you're going to cut a bunch of costs. But if it's done right and, you know, you, you, don't, you don't need a billion dollar Fort Knox security compliance environment. None of us can afford anything close to that. But if you're up to the standards and you want to keep those standards and you consider the normal kinds of costs uh, with today's pricing and you've seen price decreases every year multiple times from the public cloud vendors, the price is now reaching where we can confidently say in most cases, in some cases, if new equipment was just purchased and you know the the end of life is is doesn't match up on some of that equipment. Uh, it's going to be a bit more costly, 
but in most cases, you know, it should be neutral to net savings slightly. If you add in the soft costs, then it sort of goes to the roof that it's a no brainer to, to run with a company that can do it likely better, faster, cheaper. When you truly consider, you know, what is your core competency as a company? Do you really want to be running a, a mini cloud services and a mini SecOps services? It mm-hmm. sounds and feels strategic to you. So you feel like you have to do it. But if there are companies that can do it better than you can right. and at a price that's net neutral or less, um, you have to take a look at it. You and that's to. what we're seeing in the industry. You have yeah. to. I, I have a, a funny, I think, you know, I run a software company right now, but I have a funny story for you. So I had, uh, one of my, one of our salespeople was running a a, a, a demo on on uh, on on AWS, right? And it was uh, right around the time that AWS had a little had a, had a, had a, had an East Coast outage. It was probably maybe nine months ago. Something like, I don't know if you remember that or not. Um, yeah, yeah. But we were, but 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 that outage, okay, from from our perspective, resulted in a blip in her workstation screen, her laptop. And about three seconds of sort of a black screen, and the application came up and ran. We had a technician watching uh, AWS as sort of the image was moved over to a cluster that was still up, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you know, we were like, "Wow!" You know, it's just an example of being able to see the redundancy at play in what was a very difficult experience, I would imagine, for Amazon at the time. But from our perspective as a user. You know, I guess we were lightweight enough to where we could get moved over quickly enough and, and up and running. And you just look at that and say uh, that duplicating that functionality, if you're owning a, a, a data center, uh, is, is going to cost you a significant amount of investment. And you've got to take a look at if you can even do it. Right. And um, you, you definitely have to just look at the cloud as a utility. I always say I want a machine. I want a machine now. I want to be able to use the machine, and I want it to be a safe machine, right? And after that, that's where the value comes from uh, building, you know, software. Yeah, I, I think that's an excellent example. We, you know, of course, we we have a lot of business that we run on AWS as well, and you know, we had our board call us. What happened? Are we okay? <laughs> we said we we didn't even feel a blip. Here's why. We walk them through the redundancy, the cluster environment. Um, and you know, five, six years ago when we had some of our own data centers and VMware, it was a different, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, even at that level when we're in the business, right. um, it's, it's still hard to keep it up to that, uh, to that level of redundancy. That's why the public clouds are, are taking the industry by storm over the last four or five years. You're seeing more and more successful use cases, very large enterprises going all in on the public cloud. It'll take them a while to migrate there, but but they're seeing the use cases, they're running proof of concepts, then they start moving things into production. They see that it works um, as well or much better than they could do on their own. And, uh, and and so you're seeing that wave. And right now I think 10% of enterprise are in public cloud. That's supposed to go to 50% yeah. worldwide in the next four to five years. Yep. So it's a dramatic enterprise shift. Yeah. So, um, of course, when you talk to a healthcare customer and you say, we want to run your stuff in the public cloud, uh, I would imagine, the, at least what I hear, is, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to put my PHI up there. It's a problem, right? Is that, is that the biggest objection that, uh, that you find? Yeah. The, the, um, it's, you know, so I've been in this, this business for five years, and 
I would meet directly with CIOs of major hospital systems. And they said, I was nuts. <laughs> I'm way too early. And in, in fact, we were a, a year and a half, maybe two, two years a little bit too early, but we did land lots of small mid-sized healthcare organizations to, to get up and running. And that taught us a lot. Uh, but fast forward to the last, I'd say 24 months ago, nearly hundred percent of healthcare organizations are, uh, do not have that response. Um, it is, it, it's a, an astounding transformation. 24 months just prior to that, I'd say they were still in the 75, 50% saying we're not, it's, we're not going to move the PHI. We think mm -hmm. we're thinking about it, but we're not even in discovery. Now when we contact prospects, it's nearly every one of them is in some form of discovery to move to the cloud. Right. And it's, it's typically when we ask why it's typically because, their CEO has given them bottoms or top down pressure. What are we, what's our cloud strategy? And also their developers are saying, when, when are we going to get modernized here? And so there's definitely that squeeze. And then there's just seeing the overall success in the market and the inhibitors previously, the number one inhibitor to, for healthcare to move to the, to the cloud was the security and, and protection of, of data. Right. Uh, that was their, their number, as you said, the, the reason they didn't adopt as quickly. Oh, so for the listeners that don't deal with this all the time, it's protected health information. It's not only statutory, but even if it weren't statutory, nobody wants to have a breach uh, for you know uh, individual healthcare information. And it, and it, it seems to me that, that clear data, I mean, when you, when you look at your tagline, secure healthcare cloud, you're starting right there with secure. <laughs> so my, my guess is part of your value proposition is, is that you have figured out um, how to secure a PHI, and, and of course, IP in terms of the source code or the binary files that are being run up there um, uh, for, for, for the owners, and that you've got you know, a particular way of doing that, right? So when I think about healthcare security, I think about SOC 2, HIPAA, high trust, and I'm, and I'm guessing you have created some uh, unique approaches on how to deal with that aspect of the business and, 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 and uh, be able to offer uh, the know-how and the technologies to get customers comfortable that that stuff's taken care of. Can you talk a little bit about that? Certainly. That, that is um, as one of the major roadblocks to adopting the cloud. And, and, and my organization's staffed with cloud veterans, public certified uh, technology specialists, healthcare IT specialists, and we then had to go pretty deep on, on building a bench around security and compliance specialists and technology because it truly does go hand in glove. If you're going to move your on-premise environment to the cloud in healthcare, you have to be thinking about PHIs because the penalties are sort of unlike industries like finance where they, they're having breaches all the time, but they do not have to announce them. It's not a announceable breach environment like it is in healthcare where you have to not only announce it, you have cleanup that's on average $3.6 million cleanup per breach. The patient records are more than two and a half times more valuable or 200% more valuable than any other type of uh, data. And so it has a, a target in its early days, and it will be a war. It's, it's starting to be – you're just reading about ransomware attacks, et cetera. But it, healthcare now has a target on its back, and it's uh, – we're now seeing even our customers are going through incidents. Now we have incidents response. We have breach environment controls. 
So we are saving their businesses. They're flat out telling us we would have been out of business without you guys. And so how do we solve that? You could you know, spend literally a billion dollars trying to protect your environments. Uh, but what's most important is to protect it at the level of high trust and HIPAA requirements and then interpret those requirements at the highest level and go beyond that. So that if there is a breach, we all sort of have a good day in court that we've done our part uh, to to resolve um, reasonable technology, people in process to resolve breach um, environments. And uh, the way we've done that is a, a combination of a, a number of things. It starts with great talent to people, then you have your HIPAA, high trust related processes, then your technology is where we spent millions of dollars building out so the DevOps automation platform with compliance and security safeguards. And they include things like encryption, login access, uh, tracking, event log management, hardening of the AMIs, configuration management engine, patch management, backup, um, snapshots. The list goes on from monitoring, alerting, and so on. Over 30-plus different application-style um, technologies integrated into a single platform, monitored, delivered, and managed by us, as well as we hand the keys to the customer if they want to manage portions of it. So it's a fairly sophisticated suite of, uh, you know, I guess, again, people process technology to, to solve uh, for this epidemic that's currently underway and the onslaught that's coming. And are you running, are you running all in public or are you, got, do you, have, are you running hybrid today? We are, we've gone all in on public. So AWS, Azure, Google, the top three public clouds, we're, we're heavily focused on AWS given its, uh, its entry into the market and technology and our sophistication there. We're seeing more and more um, multi-cloud strategies, especially across the enterprise. And we have different workloads that also match to the strengths of those clouds. So um, it, it's, 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 a, it's a really cool business model. I want to sort of talk about it a little bit more. But you're, so essentially you're providing the, the overlay of, of DevOps automation, um, data security, and uh, data compliance with high trust, it sounds like, um, for uh, either you know, homegrown apps or uh, commercial applications to run um, on, you know, run in, you know, inside of or, or on top of uh, in the public cloud. That's basically the service that you're delivering to customers. Is that a good way to think about it? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, I'm wondering if you, you have our slide pitch deck. You just <laughs> outlined, we have, we have three buckets of value proposition to our persona buyer. It's DevOps automation, which includes things like architecture guidance, real-time security monitoring, container, cloud deployments, that's one bucket and compliance and security safeguards, which we discussed. And then that last one is, is healthcare expertise, which includes high trust, healthcare level 24 by 7 criticality, certified managed services, healthcare application, IT know-how, all of those wonderful things. So, yeah, those, those three tend to be our top value proposition that, that gives the confidence of a provider or payer to start to experiment and move things to the public cloud when they see that we have expertise in automation and can do it better and faster and cheaper then they they start and test a couple of environments well they'll do some test and then they'll push production and then if that goes well we'll see typically rapid growth where they just start to push as much to the cloud as they can 
And we have software companies too. Yeah, I know you have a software company, but you know, names that you can see on our website are uh, organizations like CareCloud, which are leading edge SaaS companies in healthcare, as Octoc. Um, you have uh, even larger um, organizations like uh, Tech Central at, at Henry Schein, which is one of the dominant SaaS players in in, uh, in the dentist arena. So we have a lot of product companies who were building sophistication internally and decided to test us out to see if they could you know, have same or, or lower costs and then divert those man hours to their core competency, which is building fantastic software. And, uh, and they've gone through that transformation and shifted that business to us. So, so I'm going to be a little bit of a dork for like two minutes and I hopefully the listeners will put up with us for, okay. But if I was going to, if I were building an, a healthcare application and I wanted to leverage all of the benefits of, let's say, you know, AWS EC2 infrastructure and all that cool stuff, um, would I be, would, would I, would I, would I go to you and say, okay, provide me this, you know, array of, of, um, of components that I want to build on in terms of, you know, database components and app server components and, uh, my, and, 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 and the type of platforming and architecture that I'd like to build my software on, or, or I have built it on this and now I want to, I want to add PHI and a higher level of security. Do you then take what I've, what I've built or intend to build and then provide this sort of technology and security wrapper around that inside of that environment? Is that the way we would be doing business if I were, if I'm building software, yeah, no, it's a very, uh, it's a very astute techie question. Yeah. I, well, I didn't um, want to get too techie. It, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, and 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 you know, the, for those that are listening that are in in various stages of thinking about the public cloud, we we've had to, you know, it's a new world order in terms of infrastructure and security compliance, particularly in healthcare. So we've just had to build a business model that is very flexible that can uh, address those that, and we even have a model that says, uh, okay, so you tried it, you failed, you want to bring it, uh, hand it all over to us and have, uh, have us management. We can bring it into our accounts. We typically, if it's a greenfield, so I'll give you a two, two-part answer. If it's a greenfield environment, well, then we set up the AWS account. We manage it for you. We track all the billing. We add on our additional services and compliance. It's all, architected for your platform. So we, we sit with your engineering team and make sure that we're architecting the right components and optimizing, then we'll stand it up, push to production, um, make sure it's tuned properly and make sure that you have the right sort of utility up and down cadence that you need. So that's one example. The other is if you've already set it up, you have some sophistication, but you feel like you could use some more heavy compliance and security um, wrapper, if you will, then we take that automation, if you like, or the security compliance dashboard and apply it to your existing accounts. And we can provide that decoupled and have you manage it or have managed services from a sort of remediation managed services eyes on glass to mm-hmm. ensure that we're watching it and recovering for it. So it, it, Does that it, answer your question? Yeah, I think so. And, and, and so obviously if you're delivering software as a service, you've got a you know, sort of these traditional network operational operating center work that you have to do in terms of monitoring, you know, in, incidents prevention, um, and and so on and so forth. Is that 
part of your value proposition to deliver those services as well? Yes, to to ensure that you have it architected properly, that you have the right security compliance um, applications and services applied, and that as you make adjustments and movements in those environments, that that they're constantly being reconfigured for that. So VPN changes, as an example, if, you're not, if they're not done right, you're out of HIPAA compliance. If you happen to have a breach due to that, you're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. And those are the things we we help shield internal IT organizations against making the wrong moves. Very cool. In those areas and or being lack uh, either lackadaisical or not understanding the level of security compliance layers they need. You hope nobody is lackadaisical, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We see it. Yeah, I bet. I bet I bet you do. So so let's talk about the business. How are you doing? When did you when did you you started about five years ago? Is that is that right? Yeah, it was great to kind of get in early because we saw you know the 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 challenges uh, from from the early days from moving on premise to testing the cloud now to full full tilt. Everyone is moving to the cloud and you know there's there's um, predictions out there by Gartner and others that are some view them as provocative that you know worldwide um, healthcare IT 80% will be in the cloud within the next four to five years. So that's a you know, if you think about that, it's supposed to be healthcare IT spend just in the U.S. is 65 billion or 70 billion today, going to 100 billion. 25% of that is addressable to ours. That's that on-premise hardware software network. Um, uh, technology. And so there's just a massive, you know, upwards of 20, $25 billion spend in this infrastructure category. And it's largely, uh, it's, it's growing um, fast and it's underpenetrated and there are a few market leaders. So I, I do view, and I think customers and our investors view that we're a market leader in the space. And um, part of what illustrates that is our growth. We have a great growth story. We've nearly doubled our subscription revenue every year except for one year, which was in the 78% growth, mm-hmm. and we're on track to double again this year. Well, congratulations. How, so we're coming up on this, I promised you, a 30-minute interview, and I think I'm, I'm a little over time here. Um, but I did I, I, I do want to just talk about one more thing. So if, if I'm a, um, a, a potential customer, you know, how do I go about engaging with you? Where can I find out information What's what's the process for getting to um, to know your solution and and uh, and testing it up against my needs? I'll give you an opportunity to give me a little sales pitch here. Yeah, terrific. No, go to cloudata.com. There's a phone number there that'll lead you right to our sales team, and they'll quickly uh, give you the Cloudata commercial, so you know all of our value propositions, feature functionality. Typically, the next step from there is we have a technical call, do a solutions architecting. Uh, review, and then we go right into uh, pricing and deployment assessment. So Very it's good. a fairly simple, straightforward, three-step process. And do you publish blogs, information, white papers? Is there a place I can go and get that kind of stuff from you? TOC compar- uh, TCO comparisons, et cetera? Yeah, we, we don't have a TCO uh, tool published yet, but that's part of our sales process. But overall, we have uh, lots of content that we're publishing constantly. You can go to our website and the library section and, and get uh, white papers and case studies and there's blogs and all that kind of educational information you need to get to the buying cycle. Terrific. www.cleardata.com, right? That's where you're at? Yes. <laughs> Darren, great talking to you. I love this subject. We could keep going on forever, but it's 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 definitely very interesting. 
to see. I mean, I know two years ago, if you said uh, we were going to run healthcare apps in the cloud, people would quiver and wince and make funny faces. And now it's sort of like they, they shake their head and say, yeah, how do we go about doing that? And I'm sure your business is in for a very, very nice growth cycle here going forward. So um, thank you for joining me on the podcast. And uh, it's good to get to know you. Likewise. And thank you. I really enjoyed it. Have a great rest of the day. All right, everyone. That's it. That's a wrap. Thank you, Darren Brandon, for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Great to have you on the show. Steve Krupa, you've done another great job leading a great conversation about an important issue facing the healthcare industry. So thanks very much for that. Breaking Health Podcast listeners, what can I tell you? It's great to have you here. Thanks again for listening and for your support. Do yourself a favor. Use the Be Health Code when you do register to attend the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit in Boston on November 30th. It'd be great to see you there. Also, if you want to help out the podcast, you could do us a few things. Number one, you could subscribe. I don't know if you're subscribing to the podcast, but there's a way to do it, and you'll get it sent directly to your listening device. Just push the subscribe button when you find the Breaking Health Podcast on your phone or tablet or your ta- or your PC. You could also give us a good ranking on iTunes. That helps people find it. You can tell your friends about it. That helps uh, other people find it. More people listening, the better. Finally, shoot me an email, tom at healthag.com. That's the word health. Followed by the letters egy.com. Healthag is the producer of the Breaking Health Podcast and the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. Please do join us in Boston. We are at our sellout pace of, we, that we've had the last two years, so uh, we want you to be in the room when it happens. So make sure you sign up promptly, and don't forget to use that great B Health code to save yourself a little bit of dough. We'll see you in Boston, everyone. Tune in next week for another tale of innovation on the Breaking Health Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>